everyone, Anthony Fantano here, Internet's Busiest Music Nerd, and welcome to a new episode of The Needle Drop Podcast. We're on this episode, we are doing an interview with a band, Dope Body. Specifically, Dope Body is a Maryland rock band, and they're about to release their new full-length LP on Drag City Records titled Kunk, which is a pretty monstrous name. I've reviewed two of their works on the channel before, their last full-length LP, Lifer. On that album, the band delivered a pretty psychedelic, overwhelming fusion of post-hardcore and noise rock there, and with a new single out, which is pretty animalistic, I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing on this new full-length LP that drops this August. And in this interview with David Jacober and Andrew Lauman, I'm hoping that they sort of shed some light on this upcoming album, as, as well as their last album, which didn't come out too long ago anyway. So, guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So, this this new single, man. Uh, okay, so I've been listening to it. It's super, just like, noisy and clunky and, uh, and, and, and monstrous. It reminds me a lot of what you guys are doing on Natural History. Uh, are you kind of going back in that direction on this record? Uh, I wouldn't say we're going back in any direction. We're kind of always moving forward with uh, our ideas. We've kind of uh, we have a lot of influences, as you, as you can probably tell over the past couple albums. We always kind of try to highlight different aspects of our histories of like how we're going to go in a direction. But uh, this material was pretty much completely improvised and then uh, made into the songs afterwards. So it was pretty much to the core the unconscious uh, rock kind of idea that we've always tried to. Uh, put forward but to its fullest extent because we never practiced the songs we just went to a studio and played the songs and then uh they just came out how they did so it's a, it was a it was an interesting process for us to be very free we didn't even know that we had them to work with until after lifer was done and our recording engineer travis harrison sent us this extra material that we had just improvised during the lifer sessions now now what you guys are talking about in terms of a. Uh... Uh, sort of improvising these songs out. Is that happening in the actual studio itself, or are you guys going in there with kind of a, a rougher written idea? Uh, no, it, it's uh, well. This session, particularly the the, the material that came to Kunk, uh, was just done as like a release. After while we were doing Lifer, we had those songs for like a year, mm-hmm. and we recorded those. And as like a little bit of a break at the end of the day, we would just improvise in the studio and just play around. Just kind of how we would write stuff. We would you just we just jam for like twenty thirty minutes on something, and then pick out the parts that we think are cool. Um, but instead of doing that and writing it and coming up to rec- record those ideas, we just recorded the first time we played them. So most, all the songs are basically from like a 20-minute jam that we like condensed down to like the core of what it was, um, which is kind of like the ideal way to do it because you get that real actual energy of playing it and you're playing it for the first time and you're not trying to like get something perfect because uh, it's the... F- the first time you're doing it, so you're just playing it. You're not, you know, it's not a contrived idea of sometimes how music is. Uh, hold on, hold on one second. Hold on just one second, and sure. I'll uh, ask the next question in a sec. Yeah. 
Now, when you went into the studio and started recording Lifer, did you have a more definite idea as to how those songs were going to come out? Did you have some concretely written stuff before you hit the studio there? Are you kind of a... Uh, for for Lifer, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, for Lifer. I, I guess yeah, my question is, uh, was was your approach much less improvisational this time around, uh, last time around, and now you're kind of just yes. seeing it from a whole different experience with this one, kind of pulling out these songs that you sort of just created... Uh, the ideas from on the fly while just jamming together in the studio? Yes. I mean, the, the songs for the life, when we went and did the Lifer session, which, I mean, Kunk eventually came out of too, um, we definitely had all those songs like rehearsed because we wanted that to be like a really live sounding album. Um, mm. So we were really rehearsed live with those, like ready to record them. Yeah, I think the problems we've experienced with our previous records, at least personally, like Nupping and Natural History, is that... Uh, they were songs we had written to play in sweaty basements, but then went into nice studios to record. And they, uh, we had kind of too many options to like pile stuff on instead of like, and we could never like rel- replicate that live. So for Lifer, mm. the attempt was uh, to make like a, a rock record that was like sounded like how we could play it. So it was just kind of like a, more of an accurate document of uh, what we could actually what we actually sound like. So it was a little more natural. Um, but then Kunk is completely the opposite. It's just, you know, it's Frankenstein together from a bigger jam, but it's still, uh, it's kind of more real than anything else because it's just the way it was played, for, you know, rather than, you know, Lifer, the Lifer was an easy record to record it, but it's definitely not as intense as if you see those songs live because we were trying to, like, get the right take of it rather than just getting, like, a real physical energy take of it. Okay, so you're getting the studio sound, you're piling things on, but I guess the difference here is that you're sort of recording these songs closer to the moment of inception, and that's sort of increasing the intensity of what you're actually doing in the studio? Exactly. Yeah. I I think that's pretty, I mean, that's that's a pretty significant direction to go in for this band, because with, with Nupping, with Natural History especially, it just seems like, I don't know if you would call it rage, but rage is kind of the first word that comes to mind. Uh, just sort of the rage and the intensity that you put into those studio recordings that it just sounds like you guys are delivering as you're playing these songs, just the heavy hitting rhythms and riffs. I mean, just seems like really pivotal to the whole identity of the band. Yeah. And I think that like it, it is, but as, uh, as time goes on, we've been doing this for a number of years. We've come to certain conclusions that we're probably better artists than we are crafters of a complete pop idea so mm-hmm. there was certain ideas that maybe we were flirting with before that i think we realized weren't really the direction we wanted to take in even in our personal artistic endeavors we just kind of we didn't want to write just like rock songs we wanted to like we were, try, we were more interested in like deconstructing what the idea of rock music is and like what music contemporary music is and why we can take on uh, influences that are kind of off color to other people are uncool and to make them cool or try to the attempt to make them cool through our our band is the point of the band you know uh, so I think that every record we kind of force ourselves to try out new influences and try to be progressive uh, in the sound rather than catering to something that people expect of us so also we've already written like over 50 songs and it's just like necessary for it to still feel fresh you know to us is to be able to create stuff out of thin air you know and not always have it be like 
oh, uh, how do we write a chorus for this song? And sometimes that having that structure, you know, can be really uh, constricting and I don't know and boring after a while. Uh, you're talking a little bit about deconstructing rock music. I mean, at this point, with with rock music being at the age that it is what do you think is sort of left to unpack out of that box? Or do you think it's sort of more healthy or more to uh, just more, uh, I guess, easy to be inspired when you're working outside of that box entirely? I think it's more uh, thinking outside the box entirely and like taking on influences that aren't necessarily uh, as known in rock you know we're not like I'm not we're not like listening to garage rock bands being like oh you want to do something like this we're like listening to like minimalist composure or like like there's like a lot of synth music just like stuff that you is just like more inspirational to like something we can do with what we do instead of like something we want to necessarily sound like so mm-hmm. I think there's an obvious friction in the music of that as well you know and of stylistic uh collaging that we do at times you know there's times where we're groovier and funkier and then there's times where we're more like rigid songwriters like lifer is much more of a rigid rigid song written kind of album as opposed to nupping which has like these really crazy changes and crazy grooves and hip-hop influences like we kind of like we like the teeter back and forth we're not like uh we're not going in one direction to get to this peak of uh idealized form of our band i think it's more or just let the band grow and uh, change as it needs to. Uh, so Kunk is just a, a progression towards new ideas. Like the, it's it's half noise record, half like rock record, and it's all just kind of like, I, you know, I can't tell if people are gonna like it or not, but it, it's like it doesn't matter to me at this point because it's just our art. And uh, another thing is um, the idea of like an album as a whole uh, being able to just flow. You know, that was one thing I think we were conscious of when we were like. Um, you know, stringing all the songs together. Uh, it, I feel like Kunk has a better flow than some of our other records, just the way that it, it offers variety and one idea transitions into the next, you know? Hmm. Um, Have you had a chance to listen to the re- actual record? Nobody's passed me a, a copy of the record yet. So. Really? We told yeah. them to. I don't know why I didn't do that. Well, no, I mean, I'm, that's that's why I'm, you know, I'm trying to get a, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, try, totally. I'm trying to get a preview from you guys, we'll, just right, a descriptive, we'll, we'll conceptual we'll preview. Just, we'll just send it to you. We'll tell it, yeah, we'll send it to you like today. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, that yeah. that would be fantastic. But, I thought you know, they sent it to you. It's because yeah, we thought you already had it. Yeah. No, not yet, not yet, not oh, yet. So oh. I mean, you know, uh, that's 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 why I sort of uh, wanted to get this interview out there, which you know, uh, I I think we'll just leave this chunk in where <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, just like trying to expose my audience a little bit to what you guys are doing and give the people in my audience who I know love your music a bit of a heads up of what this album is going to be doing and sounding like and what you know sort of uh, makes it tick. Um, you know, it's 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 really interesting to hear you guys sort of talk about the kind of influences that you're trying to translate to uh, the type of music and instrumentation to you, that that you play, and kind of not really thinking necessarily in this rock-based context or sort of you know uh, uh, taking direct influence from a garage rock band uh, that that I think maybe a, a casual listener might compare you guys to, you know, just maybe on a, a, on, a on a surface level listen. But in playing basses and guitars and drums and, you know, kind of having a front man on lead vocals, uh, sort of having that instrumental structure, do you, do you think it's kind of constricting when it comes to the idea of 
going in a direction away from rock music, uh, you know, whether that be, it, it, it kind of seems like the whole history of, of guitar music has to kind of influence what you're doing in some kind of way, uh, which is mostly rock inspired, uh, you know, even if you're trying to work outside of that box. Yeah, I, I think it, that that instrumentation could be a little bit constricting, but um, that said, uh, we all do other stuff besides what we do in Dope mm -hmm. Body. Um, and Zach and John in particular are into um, a lot of electronic stuff and they're making electronic music also and just kind of, um, <clears throat> and they're kind of applying that to our writing process now. And that doesn't really happen on Kunk, so to speak. But I think um, when we're doing those jams, a lot of the times they're thinking of more like soundscapes and sound effects and noise and you know just stuff that doesn't sound like a guitar or a <coughs> bass and they're consciously trying to make their guitar or their bass sound like something else you know what i mean yeah like zach zach is such a trained he's a classically trained guitarist so he can literally play whatever he wants so it's kind of sometimes when you see the things that he ends up playing he's just mainly doing harmonics and banging the guitar around but you know he can shred anything he wants but so it's like an interesting the of the the process of what he chooses to put in and what he could you know he could do or wouldn't do like and it's all behind the curtain of what you know what we actually give you but i think if you've seen us live you can kind of get a, a more accurate uh look at our the instrument how the instrumentation works and how it's like more unique than the necessarily like regular rock band just out of the intensity of how things are played and the variety we always play things differently live and uh, I don't know. I think it can be limiting, but we we aren't opposed to adding new new instrumentation. Like we've been playing some new material where uh, we're don't, there's not even any guitars in the material, but that's still experimenting right now. I, I I think what you're you know you're you're talking about there with you know having somebody in your group that is a classically trained guitarist. I mean that's that's sort of what makes composers like John Cage so great because you're talking about people who have have advanced at their instruments so far that just what it's normally supposed to do sort of becomes this uh, I don't know this point of frustration so you start experimenting and doing strange things with your instrument in order to just kind of drive other sounds out of it. Yeah, part of studying music I think like Zach and I both studied music together in college and I think we both agree that part of studying music the point of that is to forget it all to learn it all and then forget it all yeah because it's it, it seems like there's a, a whole side to the music realm at least in terms of a I guess traditional music education that is completely ignored and that's just the timbre and just the sound and and the noise that that is music as well yeah, I mean, you can't really be taught taste and uh, right. cultural relevance in a certain time and period of where you exist. Sure. And what, like, it's like a lot of times what makes a successful band, I think, in general, or a successful artist is just seeing a void of something that's not being talked about and talk about it or bringing a certain sound to a, a place that's lacking it and knowing how to uh, present it in a way that's not just completely contrived or self-loathing uh, to being like, this is me. Like, we're really involved in our scene here in Baltimore and have been for the past 10 years so it's kind of even before the band was a band we were all in in the music scene so it's we were very nurtured uh, and inspired by our local musicians just because there's like an interesting camaraderie within our city of the artists so I think that it allows us to not be pigeonholed into any sort of regular rock 
uh, history because there's not really that many rock bands that we identify with here or really like into like uh, there's there's punk scenes and there's kind of like more emo scenes or in the rock realm but there's nothing there's not really many bands that we're contemporaries with here that we're like yeah like like that band like we're into like all sorts of musicians like mostly I'm in there's like a huge hip hop scene here that's like so much more fun than the rock scene at the moment so it's more inspiring to like be at those events and getting into that music uh, at least of you know uh, what you can take and not just listening to mp3s and like you know I don't really like noise rock all that off that much I mean I love shellac mm -hmm. but uh other than that like I mean Jesus Lizard's alright like <laughs> Rage, Rage is a great band but like these band, these aren't things that we like actively listen to. It's they're yeah. just things that are like in our subconscious from our our history. I think a lot of people think we do like hang out and listen to like noise rock bands all day. Yeah, we really don't. No, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I I I I have put you guys into that camp before, and but I I think. I mean, understandably. Yeah, yeah, yeah un understandably. Does. But it's it's not like the. But when I listen to you guys, like the first thing that comes to my mind isn't Jesus Lizard. But what? But when I like see that in a review, I get kind of like not annoyed, but I'm like, huh, eh. you know. I mean, it's it's just a it's, cop out, you know. Yeah, I don't feel like people. Little, I feel like people bit. are listening to it at the the most surface level most of the time, and like uh, people like calling it bro rock or like you know what, all this <laughs> other shit that they like to call it, which is like you know. They've it's, also called it, called it uh, Art Punk and Pig Fuck. Pig Fuck is my favorite. Uh, I could go by Pig Fuck or, um, what's the other one? Uh, trap Rock. Either or. Hmm. Uh, I think Trap Rock's my favorite. Trap Rock, yeah. I mean, it's funny because like, you'll put something on your band, like on your Facebook of like what your genre is, and then you'll be in a tour in Europe, and there'll be a little parentheses around your name. And it's like, whatever you put down, they'll just like, put there. And trap you're just rock. like, yeah. yeah. And you're just like a world away, and you're like, your, your inside joke is spreading. So, it's pretty funny. Um, I, I want to rewind it back to uh, something that you were saying earlier, but what, what you were sort of saying about your local scene kind of caught my attention. Uh, and, and you don't need to answer, you know, for the <laughs> wider uh, uh, sort of scope of things. Just kind of give you a personal experience of where you sort of immediately are. But where do you think sort of the internet has taken the music scene or affected the music scene in any kind of way? I mean, has it been in a positive way, in a negative way? I mean, I, I think Our these days with... with uh, yeah, uh, at least in my personal experience, I kind of feel like with the internet allowing people to kind of indulge in any kind of just one musical idea that they like, a lot of local music scenes have kind of become fractured in some kind of way with everybody sort of doing their own little microcosm of a thing. Uh, I think that's definitely happened here uh, more recently, but uh, just the whole Wham City wave that happened that started in 2005, uh, that brought a lot of people together, and there was kind of a, a, con a, a conscious scene of this art music thing happening in the warehouses, uh, like a post-Providence uh, movement, and there was a unification there, so it kind of grouped a lot of like artists together that wouldn't necessarily be grouped together before because of these micro-scenes that usually exist in most cities. Uh, and then, you know, years go by, certain people get more successful than others and keep touring, and some people just, it, it was just a local act thing. So uh, this there is still vibrant scenes here, m mainly in, like, the noise and hip-hop scenes, and uh, there's, like, a couple clubs, but uh, the, the bad part, I can say, about your local scene becoming more popular on the Internet, people knowing about you, is that 
DIY ceases to exist as a completely viable option. Uh, I, I, I was just going to ask, that was the next thing I was going to ask <laughs> you about just in light of what you were just saying. There, exactly. Because it's, it's, it's not that it becomes less of an option, but I think people sort of the, the, the crowd sort of thinks of it as a non option or doesn't even consider it as mm-hmm. an option because they're sort of used to seeing these local acts to them on larger stages I was just making a video the other day where I was talking about uh, not giving into the idea of a promoter or a, a club owner having you pay in order to play the opening slot at a show. And I put out the idea of you could rent out a VFW, an American Legion, or you know whatever kind of community hall is local to you and just hold a rock show there. And I was getting so many comments that are like, what's a VFW? <laughs> I, go- I Googled a VFW. And it said, veterans of foreign war, why would you do music there? I'm totally <laughs> confused. And and that's stuff that we were just doing not even 10 years ago. Exactly. And yeah. it's like it's been completely erased from people's memories. We played a couple of VFWs in the past few years. Yeah, but that's like, you're like in the middle of nowhere where that's like the yeah. plot. But like, I agree. Like, I my first shows when I was like in like ninth and 10th grade in high school were at the local VFW, like the emo and metal shows. And they were mm-hmm. fucking nuts and like crazy. But it was yeah. also... I think it's like the key difference now is uh, back then, even if you didn't, even if I didn't like any of the bands, I still would go to the shows because I wanted to interact with people that I identified with and mm-hmm. I had no access to it otherwise. Like, and everybody knew each other. Right. You, you had like your friend group, you had people that went to a show, you had like a certain, people that identified with certain things rather than on the internet. Now you can just be on Instagram or you can follow different things. You can be involved in things without being involved in things. And I think that in general is why shows... Uh, music shows are a little less attended in general or it's harder to like uh, create like a physical thing with music now because yeah people can just be involved without being there like uh, people can look at oh I wanted to go to that show I saw some pictures on Instagram of it or like you know 300 people are going to an event on Facebook and like 100 show up like people like the idea of being somewhere is more important than actually being there and there's enough documentation that going around that you don't necessarily have to be there to experience it you know you can watch someone will take a youtube video of it or something you know it people just don't care as much as they used to because they can feel part of something without being part of it sure i mean i, th- I think we're just getting so much stimulation in every direction which i mean uh, is is cool i mean we don't need to pay as much for stimulation as we used to it's just coming in every direction for free uh <laughs> but yeah. i guess the da- the downside is 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 over yeah yeah, 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 most most definitely. And there's so um, much stuff that people are trying to get everyone to pay attention to simultaneously that a lot of the a lot of good stuff like slips through the cracks just because the volume of what people are putting out there is so overwhelming. It's impossible to pay attention to all of it. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I struggle to sort of do it every day just as like Yeah, <laughs> your bet. job is as, crazy as <laughs> as a job and um uh, and, and I mean, the upside of it is that I, I feel like there's there's definitely a platform for weird experimental ideas if people want to have them and they could put them out there. And if they float, they float. And if they, you know, uh, grab people's attention, that's great. Uh, they probably, you know, didn't have to um, <clears throat> unnecessarily sort of bust their ass or go bankrupt in order to sort of put out this really weird experimental idea that nobody else had any faith in other than them. And it sort of managed to catch on. But again, the downside of that is the oversaturation. 
and the fact that uh, with with that one kind of great interesting idea, there's like a lot of stuff that you dislike or is just kind of uh, mild or middle of the road. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you can't be the old man yelling at the cloud at this point. You just kind of have to let things go as they go, and hopefully, sure. uh, uh, you just focus on your own art. I mean, there's even labels or promoters are lazier these days too. So it's like uh, because there's so much to have you know it's like you don't you know promoters just make a facebook page for something they don't even put posters up anymore and that's like a dot art that just died within the past like couple years i feel like it's like becoming less and less that people care about that like the facebook is making everything like a little easier but a little too easy uh in that way so that yeah it's hard like it's hard to motivate people but you'll still go to places and people will be really excited about it. And like, you kind of can't really lose complete faith in it. Uh, on our last European tour, we didn't think anyone was really going to be at the shows because we haven't been back there in a while. And uh, it was an overwhelmingly great tour, like the best tour we ever did. There was at least 100 people in every show uh, for the most part. And uh, a lot of places we've never been and some really big shows. Uh, it was just like, you, you just never know where what your music is doing on the internet. That's the coolest things. Like we don't, you know, you cannot know someone somewhere and enough people in a friend group know about your stuff and love it and come to your show and they're like going all crazy and you're making their their day or their week or whatever and it's nice to it's nice there's nice surprises in music still i, I don't know how oh, the future yeah. will be but uh at the moment we we are still living in a good age of it it's like oversaturated but you can still do it you know yeah no i i think uh, uh i think sort of that that question that you put out there you know i don't know what the future is going to sort of hold um you know is 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 really kind of the defining sentence you know for 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 what the musical situation is right now i mean i i i think as you were saying i mean there's no reason to sort of be angry at the whole situation like somebody who's sort of old and outdated uh, I, I don't think there's any real, real reason to be angry at the way music is working now until we get to a point, if we ever get here, I hope we don't, where there's just like this loss of passion or interest in artists and music fans uh, alike. But the thing is, is that there's still a lot of passion and there's still a lot of interest. Uh, it's just that there's not quite as much focus or maybe there's not, uh, maybe there's focus, but I think what's what's difficult now is that it's hard to actually guide interests like they used to because there are so many channels through which people are communicating different music and new musical ideas and trying to promote shows so it's it's kind of hard to get everybody into this one large school of fish where we can just like scoop them up into a net and throw them on the boat uh everybody's just kind of going in whichever direction they want and all the trends that are coming down the pipe they're impossible to predict because the albums that we thought were going to be huge flop on contact. And then all of a sudden you have these up and comers that just have viral videos that come out of seemingly nowhere. Absolutely. And we just have no idea of what record's going to be popular, what record's not going to be popular. I mean, you have mainstream artists selling like, you know, 2,200 copies of their albums right now. Uh, meanwhile, just like up and comers are coming out of the blue left and right. Yeah, I mean, that, it's the wild west of the music world uh, again. You know, it's like you used to not be able to put out a record unless some record company put all his money into your record, and now you can just record it yourself. Like, there was a video recently where the guy recorded a whole album in an Apple store. Uh, yeah. It's just like, it's and it's kind of, it's. It, I think it's interesting time because it's more about 
uh, it's like a process based thing for a lot of people now. It's like you can't just be this uh, easy package that you think people are gonna like. You have to have something that's new and vibrant and kind of like you have to have like a shtick that's like more than a shtick. Like you have to really live your life now, as as you can see with people getting all these crazy hand and face tats and just going real hard, real young and just like living living that life. Uh, and I think that's what people think it means to take because people are buying you like you're not you know you're the you're the, the the idea of the artist is even more important than the music now because music is just so disposable to people you can listen to something and then you get something new comes out every day that you have to really be invested in uh who the people are that are in the act and i think it kind of makes ups the ante of people creating an identity for themselves uh which is uh probably probably dangerous for your health but uh probably good for your career for at least a little while i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 brings up an interesting point that you know I I would love for you to guys to sort of address about your your band specifically. Uh, I I personally don't see Dope Body as this kind of band that sort of invests a whole lot into the whole idea of okay, here's my music, here's my art, but also this is me, you know, look at me. Uh, I I've never understood the band to sort of have this huge sort of cults of personality uh elements in the equation and in a way i mean i've 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 found that personally to be a bit of a breath of fresh air because it, it's only at least intensified my uh focus on just how insane and off the wall and just uh, uh aggressive and overpowering the sound of the music is yeah i think that's the the point for us at least we want to be almost more behind the scenes. Uh, we're pretty personal people. We're into our privacy. Uh, but I think our live shows speak for themselves because, you know, most of the time when we're at a show, like we're, people think we're like, they thought we'd dress cooler or dress like more like hard. Uh, and we just look like us and then we get on stage and then we fucking go crazy and get super sweaty and people are just like, I never, I just didn't expect that out of you guys. Right. You know, the, the live performance stands for itself as much as we're not live very crazy uh, personalities on our own when we combine into dope body uh it uh you know you form you form like voltron yeah, yeah we form like basically you know yep we're like wu-tang <laughs> wait so um, there's the rizza uh well i mean I you know thinking back to when i was getting really into punk music i mean some of my favorite uh, I remember one of my favorite bands was Minor Threat, and one of the coolest things I thought about that band is whenever I would catch pictures of them, it's like they just looked like four regular dudes who just kind of probably led very regular lives and continue to do so, but they were just like in this amazing fucking band. Yeah, I mean, that's the coolest part about it. If you're not going to be uh, a crazy rock star, you got to just at least have a good live performance. Um. Okay, yeah, yeah, most most definitely. Uh, I, I said I was going to rewind back earlier to something that you said, but now it's way earlier. Uh, you you were you were talking about how in in music school, you can't necessarily teach uh, taste or sort of the context of the age of music that you're sort of living in right now, and or uh, taste at all. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, I I was I was exactly thinking about this the other day and, and sort of how exactly to go about making a video about this because I mean this sort of thing is uh, uh, thrown in my face all the time too because people are like uh, uh, how can you review an album where's your fucking album bro and <laughs> it's, it's sort of the idea of uh, taste versus ability 
you can't necessarily make a record with just one. I mean, if you just have great taste and no musical ability, I mean, you know, not, not to say like, I'm not talking about no musical ability in terms of like, you just play guitar crappily. I'm saying like, you don't even know what to do with a guitar right. in, in general. Like you need some ability with taste in order to create something. True. But if you just have ability, you're either going to just create crap or you're going to maybe be playing music very proficiently, but maybe in a very soulless fashion. Like just and, for like, you know, just being like a studio musician or playing in like an orchestra or something, which is cool sure. too, if that's your thing. I mean, there's a place for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's but, a place for people on both sides of that spectrum. And, yeah. and I guess what my question is sort of, you know, wh- where does the scale tip for Dope Body? I mean, is 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 it more of a taste thing? Is it more of an ability thing? Or do you guys kind of see it as more of an equal marriage? You know, considering that you have somebody sort of in your midst who is classically trained uh, on guitar and that you guys have music education as well. Yeah, I mean... I think for us, it's it's more about taste, and I mean, the ability just kind of comes out, but um, I don't think we're into writing stuff uh, that's just complicated, that um, takes a ton of ability or skill. We're into, like, you know, conveying, like, clear ideas and, you know, not not really trying to, we're not trying to make stuff, like, really proggy, you know? But yeah. We're not really trying to make, like, um, for lack of a better word, like, really nerdy, like, mathematical rock music you know i guess at one point we were but it was still so raw and it was like unexplored for us i, I mm-hmm. think i think the like the, the the complexities in our playing before uh came from uh, zach just graduating school from from being classically trained and also at that same time trying to play as fast as possible in dope body uh dope, the first couple of years of dope body we played all the songs three times as fast live mm-hmm. uh if you can imagine uh, so they would be, you'd be like running your ass off towards the end. So it just would be this crazy mess of just all this shit happening of all, all everyone trying to go as fast as they can and uh, like twenty pound brick, right? But not necessarily. It was more of like from a punk standpoint of just like this, like you know, there's people slamming into you, like shit's flying all over your drum set or like the pedals. Like it was just a uh, ends. You know, so we had to get there. We had to get to the end of the set. So I think that things got more technical through like this really weird live organic process of. Uh, writing these really intense things to be able to get through them. Uh, and at that point, I think we were also trying to make the amount of energy that was coming out of us so ridiculous that uh, that was like a thrill for us. You know, we were just like, let's play as fast and as intense and as crazy as we can. And then, you know, that, yeah. that's just kind of where we started. Yeah, we let it, we, we kind of like let each other be very free with uh, what each other does. You know, it's like, okay, you want to do that? Cool, I'm going to do this and then he's going to do this and then... We kind of meet in the middle, but we don't really tell each other. There's no like sh- songwriting structure in Dope Body where like one person's writing. Like Zach doesn't come in and be like, "Oh, I got this song." We just get together and then we jam on something. And if we all agree at the end of it that it's worth playing again, then it goes to the next step. And you know, Hopefully. do that like five or six times, and maybe it will be a song. But there's a lot of great material that uh, we'll play once or twice, and then we'll never play again uh, in our studio just because. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell when something's going to make it. And that's what's kind of so amazing about the record or what actually gets documented is like those things made it onto the record somehow, like as opposed to all this other stuff we've written or uh, have played or had the idea of. Um, But yeah, technically speaking, uh, I don't think any of us intentionally go into it uh, with any technical mindset. We just kind of let... I, I think, uh, you know, so what what you were just sort of saying about the writing process is is often... Uh, something that kind of goes 
overlooked when I get a lot of young artists asking me questions about what they should be doing with their album. Whereas, I mean, if, if you're a young artist and you're listening, I highly recommend that maybe uh, instead, I mean, if you want to hit me up, that's fine. I mean, I could possibly give you my point of view if I do have an answer to your question, but there are a lot of uh, great sort of underground, very accessible bands who might have an opinion on what you're asking as well. But I, I think a lot of people tend to ignore just how much ends up gets just how much ends up on the cutting room floor uh, and just doesn't end up on the record itself. And people sort of see this one song get successful, but they didn't know that it sort of took 30 duds to kind of get there. Right? Yeah. It's not, yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It, it It's like not even duds. It's just like the, the through like getting. Well, the difference between like one person working on a record by themselves in their bedroom and presenting it and. uh for people trying to uh, all get on the same page about something is completely different. We're basically in this weird marriage together where it's like everyone's really moody and you can kind of tell when someone doesn't like something without them even <laughs> saying it because they get all like pissy at practice or they'll start playing it badly because like they don't like it but everyone else likes it and it's like... Mm. Um, I don't do that. Yeah, well, it happens. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Guys, guys, don't break up right now no. on the podcast, uh, please. Uh, we're good at fighting. It's cool. Um, but... <laughs> That's what I mean. So it's just like there's so much material that I've loved or wanted to play again, and then we'll, we'll you know try to get them to play again. They don't want to, or they'll someone have an idea like, oh, I like this beat, and everyone's like, eh, whatever. And it's like you just have to. It's like a compromise, which is kind of nice about it, and which makes it more uh, the band more artful in our minds because it's a uh, it's compromising for people's styles and ideas into something that everyone's just kind of like, yeah, all right, this fine, band, this, all right, cool. This band would have never worked uh, with one person bringing like all the ideas you know it's not like yeah a band that works like that it's very democratic and how we how we write is very like active as like a, a group you know it's okay like but you guys have this record coming around the corner it's been just about a year since the last full-length album and uh I'm, I'm kind of left to think you're all passionate you all have your own ideas and your own preferences in the process of doing a record like this, where you guys were improvising on a lot of stuff and doing a lot of stuff in the moment to create these songs, um, did those emotions that you have and opinions have to get kind of tossed to the side in order to come to a conclusion on these tracks? Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, when you do it this way, it a lot of that work is done for you because you get what you get and then you kind of have to like deal with that already. It's instead of um, the process of having to edit before you go into the studio and deciding what you're going to play, mm-hmm. uh, you're kind of already compromising by being in the studio and just being like, "All right, we got this material, we paid for it. This is what it is. Let's do something with it." And it becomes it's a little bit easier. I think Kunk was the easiest record for us to do because it was uh, just completely free. And a lot of those like con- like the ideas of like, "Oh, but th- like this sounds too weird," or like, "I don't want the guitar to sound like this." It was like. That's what the guitar sounds like, you know. It's like that's what this sounds like, and it sounds cool. Like, uh, I think we're. It just makes it easier to be a little more artful with the mixing and like the the complete idea of the album now because we have ideas that are unknown to us before we went in. Uh, so I think, and it's kind of how we've written everything, but we would just go back into the studio and re-record it. So why not just get it good the first time we played it? And that sure. way, it's like has that initial energy that interests us in the begin with to play it again. So I think it just kind of cuts to the chase. Yeah, it's also exciting because you, for me, I know for me at least, like when I hear back what we've improvised, when I hear it back for the first time, 
um, it's kind of like it's kind of like he um, hearing this new whole and not really thinking of what did I play or what did this one person play, but you hear this whole like live energy that was captured rather than just you know when you're writing together you're thinking of like okay what am I playing but then after that moment once it's already recorded you don't hear it back for like another month or something you totally forgot what you played and then once you hear it again it's really fresh and then you just at least for me I think of it as a whole I don't really try to dissect like the parts or and then those emotions just kind of go away for for all of us I think so obviously the writing approach and the recording approach that you guys took on this record is is different Maybe people and and I myself will be able to kind of pick that up as they're listening to this album, but as as more of like an overt thing, like uh, as far as your sound or your style on this record, are there any kind of uh, any any other new directions or sounds or aesthetics that listeners are going to pick up on this record? Stuff that you guys haven't done before on your previous stuff. I think it's definitely more experimental for one thing. I mean tone wise and structure wise and album flow wise yeah the um the previous songs were very like kind of uh chor chorus heavy or like like very ab structured yeah. uh and these are kind of uh they're they're still they're the they're more it's more groove based they're like uh there there's still structure but it's Maybe not a little a, more crowdy it's a little more crowd influence a little more hip-hop influence there's like uh, it's it's not necessarily like the classic song structure as much, and we've also experimented with like the, half the record is instrumental, uh, but they're like you know there's the the tracks that need to have the vocals and be like the vocal songs are those, and the other tracks uh, that we can be more free on because they were just stuff we kind of messed around within the studio and became uh, these compositions. Uh, but when you record three three four hours of improvised material, putting it into a half hour. You can uh, you have a lot of things you can do uh, to make it. You know, it's almost like a painting rather than a, a record in a way because you can add all these different parts and it can be this thing that's compiled together rather than trying to stuff iconography on top of each other. Like sometimes albums have songs that are so much their own that it's kind of hard to get the flow of. And I feel like this album is like the the best flowing record because uh, it has no pretension of. Uh, previous ideas into each thing that like the, all the songs complete the record the record isn't completed of all the songs it, an, an interesting thing that you were just sort of saying about structure kind of letting go of what people typically know as as song structure and doing stuff that's more experimental and maybe just a bit long winded and winding uh i i kind of feel like an a b structure is is kind of like the it's not that it's easy to execute necessarily with, with a good song but it's kind of like the no-brainer of keeping the listener on their seat so i i guess or on the edge of their seat or just engaged in some kind of way because there's a predictability to to what you're doing yeah it's but what, true yeah but, hmm. but when you're doing but when you're letting go of that structure and just like really just tossing it in the bushes sort of where do your intentions lie or sort of what ideas do you have to still keep the listener engaged while working outside of what the listener would typically expect out of just a song? Well, there's, there's, I mean, so many great albums that flow like that. I think one of our uh, favorite albums, I know at least for some of us is like Jay Dilla Donuts, which I know you're a fan of as mm -hmm. well. Um, the way that that record flows is like something to like strive for if you're not doing just A, B, 
stuff, like making something listenable from start to finish is a thing. I also think this record was, uh, in the sense of the mixing and how it flows, is mainly inspired by how hip-hop can be so fresh by putting out music all the time and mixtapes and such. And we kind of, we want, if we were going to be a rock band and we're going to be in this, this in 2015 and be a, a four-piece actual rock band, we need to like come at it with a new approach. And I think it's interesting to like for uh, to make rock or like rock-oriented things uh, that fresh mixtape idea too, where it's not like this album. Like it's like we just did this, we made it, we're putting it out, and it, it can be kind of open uh, and more free because like we can record that we recorded that during that session and we just recorded uh, a couple weeks ago in New York too we recorded six hours of new material that is going to be used for something in the future uh, but it's open we keep that's how our process is working now we can uh, making it more free rather than uh, going to the studio with a preconceived idea We've, we work much better this way and we're happier I think I mean that's a it's uh, I mean I personally have enjoyed and have been inspired by just how uh, I guess off the fly, a lot of new hip hop is, especially these mixtapes that you were just referencing. And I'm surprised. Well, I mean, it's uh, not that I'm surprised. I mean, people do get kind of stuck in their ways, but you're the first rock band that I've heard actually say that they take inspiration away from how prolific a lot of hip hop artists are being. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like a, such an old idea to think that rock bands need to put out like one big album every like two or three years. Um, I think that it's like an outdated model that kind of keeps the uh, powerful, powerful and the weak uh, wallowing in this fake idea that's not actually going to get them successful. I think that you, like the reason that, especially in hip hop uh, or electronic music, people can come out of nowhere is because they're free to like just put a track on SoundCloud or make a video and just put it out and not be like uh, in this crazy. Uh, it's hard to record a rock band. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot harder than if just doing stuff on your own or like having someone make beats and then you do your uh, thing over it as much. There's, there's a lot more like technical aspects to it, but I don't think that that should be something that you should rely on as like a crutch. Like you should just get off your ass and make music. Yeah, you should. You shouldn't just accept that as a difficulty and then just like continue to allow it to guide your creative process. Exactly. Yeah, we. I think it's like as you should. We should, By the time something comes out, you should have something that's already on deck ready to come out and you're just waiting for that to happen i think that's the healthiest way to be a musician so when you have something that comes out uh it's not this pinnacle of like oh this is we have everything riding on this uh and that kind of can be a letdown a lot of times it's like you know when after you give birth to something you're depressed because you're like that represents you completely and you maybe it's not as successful as you want it to be or you put too much hope into it i think it's good for uh and healthy to having the next idea be already going so that when you're playing the record live, you're already being like, man, I wish I was playing the new shit, but this is the new shit that we're, to them now. You know, I think it's just healthy as the artist to kind of uh, always be a step ahead of yourself growing-wise uh, compared to what you put out in the public. Um, sure. So I think that that's why we put out Kunk so soon after Lifer because by the time Lifer came out, we are already kind of like on this whole new direction of music that we're even on now. But like Kunk was like the beginning of that because it was like the visceral first idea that we had and got uh, recordings of it. We could hear it and we were like, and we were like, whoa, like we're going to put this out. Like this is going to be different for us and it's going to put us more towards a direction. Almost like how liars got to uh, move around throughout their discography. Like uh, it's inspirational. Like you can, you, you don't disregard the listener of what they want and uh, being who you 
what just making good music or making good art and that's and people will follow that you can't rely on uh yourself being a product if you don't think you're that good of a product you know i, I, I we're like the, we're like the mystery flavor warhead you know you know you know like, <laughs> you know pork flavored yeah pork flavored sometimes you get pork flavored so <laughs> um you know that that just reminded me of like some insane shit that i just wish i had written in a review good job <laughs> thank you um uh, I might just steal that for for the dope body review. Yeah, if, if I end up feeling that way, mystery warhead, mystery warhead, baby. Uh, the, I'll I'll make this my last question uh, about sort of moving forward with with your band and 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 potentially other rock bands sort of being way more prolific and you know always looking forward to the next project and always being recording for the next project. Um, you know, sort of once you're not arduously working on one single project and sort of putting all of your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Do you feel like, uh, you know, once you sort of take that weight off your shoulders and you're just always creating something that you, I don't know, tend to sort of throw quality control out of the window or maybe that you sort of lose, uh, what a lot of people love about a new record and that's that the band really comes forward with a new sound, you know, and instead of kind of getting these two radically different records years apart from one another, you're kind of getting five records where just the, the shades in between each album are so minuscule that it just kind of feel like it just blends together into one thing. Uh, you know, and, and, and while it is fantastic that there are some hip hop artists out there that are super prolific and do come out with one fantastic uh, record after the next, there are some artists who sort of use that as an opportunity to just do some lazy shit because they knew that they know that they have either a bigger project or another project coming just three months down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's obviously the two ways to go about it. You can either grow uh, exponentially faster because uh, just like how hip hop can be so uh, susceptible to trends it, it it makes like there's like old school rappers that start rapping in auto-tune and it's fucked up but it's cool because it's just like cool to see how people can just like say fuck what people know i'm gonna do this weird new thing and i think that hip-hop's cool because they constantly are like on to the next new thing but it's the same artists like replicating these styles almost and i think at least with rock music that could be an interesting thing for people to like all right you're gonna put out something new like three months from now, so you can put out something really fucked up right now that like people are gonna forget in three months once you give them something else. And I think sure. that's like rather than I think it makes for a lot less experimentation when people think that they have to be completely represented by uh, an album and a sound and a look uh, and a, like you know, they, the music doesn't sound really free. It sounds like they're they're selling me a T-shirt uh, when I really just want to be you know I'd rather be sold a fucked up drawing like from a bum on the street like I want something that's new and weird and fresh and it's like even if it's like I'm gonna forget about it like in a month at least I like got some sort of feeling from it rather than being like oh yeah this is really cool but like it's really cool which isn't cool yeah. you know like you, you... <laughs> I mean that's the, that's a way to put it at the same time I feel like if an album if it takes I mean it's it should be different for every artist it's like whatever works best for you and whatever helps you um, you know reach new ground like if if that means putting out something slightly different than the last thing you just put out 3 months ago and doing it over and over and over again i mean i guess that could be annoying for your listeners but at the same time i don't know if you if if that's what works for you if that's what people are responding to then 
I don't know who's to say what's the right way to do it. One big album every year or two years or I don't know. I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Yeah, yeah, way. no, there's 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 definitely not a right or wrong way. I, I guess I guess just sort of my question for for the band specifically was just, um, you know, about quality control. But you you, you most definitely answered that. You know, um, uh, but but sort of addressing the idea of of experimentation and you know still respecting the idea that there's no right or wrong way. Uh, generally, do you kind of feel like the idea of experimentation, uh, in rock music is as vibrant as maybe it used to be? Uh, because at least for me personally, you know, from what I've been seeing, as far as a lot of the rock demos and stuff that I get handed these days, it seems like there are so many rock eras of rock music behind us that kind of the easy no brainer of the situation is just to latch on one of the many already established blueprints that have just already been kind of handed to us. I mean, you know, either do an eighties post-punk thing. A lot of people love doing the alt rock and the grunge thing right now. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, psych pop and garage rock and psych rock are pretty popular right now. Uh, you know, sort of, sort of as, as a band that, at least in theory, is trying to push things forward and, and sort of do something that they think is fresh and, and is new. Uh, you know, do, do you find maybe that lack of experimentation maybe a little disheartening or maybe more exciting because you guys feel like you're actually experimenting? It's definitely getting boring, like playing lots of shows with all rock bands and seeing the same thing over and over again, like whether it's just a rehash, like, 80s, you know, thing like you were just saying, or like post-punk or what, whatever it is. If a lot of Jesus copying, was in bands. Copying a sound is, is boring, and we, I think we're consciously trying to, you know, find something new, and well, we're yeah. experimenting to do it. I don't, yeah, I think that it's like, uh, we kind of like to gross out our audience members, almost, or make it like For such sure. a spectacle where it's like, I don't want to be this easy, listenable, uh, digestible thing. I want to be like this mushroom trip that is going to make your stomach fucking turn, and you're going to feel crazy all night. Like, I want it to, like... The idea of the band was to affect people, not just like if we we're not writing like very like completely listenable music all the time. That's not the point. The, the point is to kind of like try things and fail because the only way to get to new ground is to fail or to like and then maybe that fail isn't actually a fail over the years once you realize what it led you to. You know, and I think uh, uh, yeah, people are like have like different ideas for bands, but they'll start a new band. And I think we just keep the same project name and let let the project continue to grow uh throughout time and that's kind of more liberating to be like yeah we're artists we change we're not like this monolith of an idea which uh i think is more prevalent in rock which is definitely boring like people have their totems and they stick to them uh and i think there, there's not it's not everyone there are cool bands that are out there but it's uh people also don't like seeing like you know people don't want to listen to something that's hard to listen to all the time like we saw, we've played a lot of shows with Doomsday Student, which is ex-members of Airborne Radar, and uh, they're great dudes. They're from the, the last great era of uh, new, fucked-up rock music that like really like did something in, in, uh, aesthetically uh, and changed like ideas about music. So it's, uh, it's cool to have their perspective, but it's, still, you know, it's, it's changed for them, too. It's hard. It's hard people aren't as uh, into being challenged. Which is weird in the internet age since people, if they want, I mean, they have more access than ever to challenging shit. Right, but they also have a lot more access to the candy. Like, sure. <laughs> the cat with the pizza. Yeah. I think we'll, I, I think we'll leave it at that. Cool. On the candy. Yeah, leave it on the candy. Leave it on the candy. <laughs> David, David, Andrew, thanks for being on, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks having for us, having man. Us. 
All right, Dope Body, they have a new record coming out on the way just around the corner this August on Drag City Records titled Kunk. I will most definitely be reviewing it, no question. And uh, I will be leaving a link down there in the description box to where you guys can check out my previous reviews of their stuff, also stream songs of theirs, and check out their earlier records. Anthony Fantano, Dope Body, music, interview, internet, candy, forever.